Jeffrey Lickman for Beyond the Legal Limit. It's September 25th. It's a new podcast. And this past week was an interesting one. I'm going to get into what happened in Chicago briefly. I'm the lawyer for a video Guzman, a video Guzman Lopez, the son of El Chapo, who was extradited from Mexico to Chicago for a, a federal case there. And that was the first appearance. I'm going to talk about that in a bit. I did promise the Subway sandwich store. I don't know. I, I hate to say that I bit off more than I can chew, but excuse the horrible pun, but I guess I'm going to have to tell the story and you're going to probably see another side of me that perhaps you wish you hadn't known, but you're going to get it. I'm going to save it for last though. So if you want to skip to the end for that, feel free. But actually, I'd like to, to force you to listen to the rest of my pearls of wisdom before you get to the Subway sandwich story. Now, last week, I discussed the hugely rising numbers of, of terrorists who are sneaking into our country under the guise of being migrants across our southern border. And it's all due to the open border policy of the Democrats. I want you to listen to these numbers now because this is really everything we're doing Everything that we're working for in our lives, it's everything can be upended because of this one issue. This isn't a minor issue like abortion or women's rights. I mean, not to suggest that these are minor issues, but I'm saying in relative terms, they really are. Diversity, equity, and inclusion, if that's what you're into, uh, prayer in school, all this stuff is bullshit compared to the migrant issue. Listen to these numbers now, and keep in mind that we have another year and a half of this until the next inauguration. So this is going to happen for the next year and a half at a minimum, but with all respect, it's going to be the next five and a half years at least because Trump insists upon running and he's not going to win. New I'm going to get to the numbers. New York City is freaking out because New York has become a dumping ground for this slop, for this for these illegals. Military-aged men are the majority of what's coming over. And uh, cue the music. Mayor in the club, Eric Adams, who literally cannot form words because he's got a mush mouth. I mean, you have to listen to him. He can barely speak. He blames Texas Governor Greg Abbott for all this because he dumped a handful of uh, migrants in New York City. But a Abbott is only responsible for 10% of these illegals dumped in New York. It's Joe Biden who did the other 90%. It's Joe Biden and the Democratic Party who are ignoring Mayor Mushmouth, Mayor in the club, and people who live in big cities that have to deal with the budget shortfalls, the rise in crime, all due to the illegals. New Yorkers are freaking out. You're not there. I'm there. I see it. I have an office about a block or so away from one of the hotels that's being used as a migrant dumping ground. The block is destroyed. It's destroyed. This is around 45th and Madison Avenue. The migrants are laying on the ground, many of them homeless, lining an entire block. Storefronts are empty. Businesses don't dare rent space there. Brooks Brothers, which is a huge clothing store, was in my building. It went out of business during the pandemic, that building. I mean, I don't think Brooks Brothers itself is out of business, but they pulled the store. It was a flagship space on Madison Avenue and 44th Street, where I am. It's still empty. 
three years later. No one is renting the space knowing that uh, Mayor Cuvassier dumped that slop across the street at the hotel. New York City people are screaming about the migrants. You see it in the news. But they'll keep voting their leftist leaders into power year after year simply because they're either too dumb or too brainwashed to understand the connection between leftist politics and the migrants that are destroying New York City. Our country's border patrol, listen to, now I'm going to get into the numbers. Our country's border patrol tells us that we have released over 100,000 illegals into our country over the past three weeks. That's three weeks, 100,000 released. We have little information on who or what these people are. Most of them are criminals because they're here illegally. That makes them de facto criminals. But this amount, three weeks, 100,000, that's enough to double the population of the border town, Yuma, Arizona. Three weeks of this shit. I'm going to give you some more. A surge of 4,000 illegals streamed across our border with Mexico into Eagle Pass, Texas last Wednesday. It forced this overwhelmed city to declare a state of emergency, obviously. This is on top of a separate 2,500-person mob that crossed the border into the city illegally last Monday. Okay, so now you've got in three days, 6,500. On top of that, 7,200 illegals were apprehended crossing the previous week. That's about 14,000 into this town alone. Their shelters are overrun. Single males who the mayor of Eagle Pass says they don't listen to instructions and they just disappear into the town with no accountability. The mayor told the media that another four to 8,000 people in a number of separate groups are heading into his city. These are largely single males coming from Venezuela. It's not all. These are not Mexicans. I want to state that from the beginning. They're just using the Mexican passage to get in. This four to 8,000 group are coming from Venezuela, which is, let's be honest, let's call it what it is. It's a socialist shithole, which is a strong ally of Iran. Iran. They host Iranian cultural affairs there in Venezuela. That makes a lot of sense. I don't know, 7,000 miles away? Venezuela imports Iranian oil, helps them break the global blockade on their oil sales, and that's money that they're going to use for Iranian terrorism and slaughtering their own people. Yet Joe Biden loves Venezuela. He wants more of them here. More. The governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, finally woke up, and he's been asleep, and installed razor wire in Eagle Pass to stop the illegal crossings. The Biden administration responded by cutting the wire, opening the floodgates to illegals. If you don't believe me, Google it. Eagle Pass, wire, Biden, cut. It's all in there. The Biden administration on Wednesday announced that it will be offering hundreds of thousands of Venezuelan migrants already in the U.S., including the ones that are here illegally. He's offering them work permits and protections from deportation, just as the numbers are skyrocketing on the southern border. Homeland Security estimates this will immediately make 472,000 Venezuelans in the U.S. eligible to apply for work authorization and shielding them from removal and deportation. That's a lot of people from one socialist shithole, isn't it? We want this slop in our country forever? Montana's entire population, 
Montana is 1.1 million. And we're adding 472,000 mostly single men from a terrorist-related shithole which hates America into our permanent population? They hated America over there. And you don't think that many of them hate America here? You think that maybe Iran may be working to get some of these people from Venezuela who want to harm Americans into America? Yet the Democrats and Joe Biden want these people here forever. And the millions of children they'll produce taxing our already overtaxed resources. The Biden administration is about to do the same for illegals who came here from Afghanistan, another uh, place famous for terrorism and hating America. It'll offer Afghan nationals who arrived between May of 2022 and last week, including those who crossed illegally, work permits and deportation protections. America is being transformed. America is being invaded without a shot fired in response. Biden and the leftists are telling you that they're purposely keeping the borders wide open. They're telling you this. It's not a secret. This isn't a secret. They want the cheap labor. They said it. Find it on Google. You don't have to listen to me. They want the votes. They want the cheap labor. They're purposely assisting the illegals to get into America. They're actually at the crossing areas ensuring that they don't drown so they get into America. And for some reason, nobody told the affirmative action gay press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, who was not just incompetent on a good day, and the only reason she got the job, obviously, is because she checks off the big boxes of being black and gay. She lies to us and tells us that Biden is doing more to protect the borders than anyone, she said. She seems to not be on the same page with Biden and the rest of the Democrats who say the opposite, that they're letting these people in on purpose. Her exact words, the president has done more to secure the border and to deal with this issue of immigration than anybody else. He really has. That's what she said on Thursday. Can you imagine that, that you can get lied to by your government as blatantly as this? All he has to do is send the military to the border and I can assure you that there will be no more illegals crossing in. He's done more than anyone, she said. What I would say is less affirmative action and competence and more press secretaries with IQs above 95 for the future. The Border Patrol claims we are now getting 10,000 illegals a day crossing the border. Per day, 2.4 million each of the last two years. 230,000 in August. The numbers are going up. They're coming with tuberculosis. They're terrorists. The Biden administration wants more and more and more and more of them. As they infect our country, they infect our cities, and they infect our towns because they keep getting pushed out of the cities. They can't fit them. They can't afford them. And I'll ask you this. If you think I'm like some kind of like partisan, like I'm a partisan hack, just repeating party positions, why is it? That liberals like New York Governor Kathy Hochul, that horse face, and New York City Mayor in the club, Mayor Adams, Eric Adams, why are they against the migrants coming now? Why? Because it's no longer a leftist wet dream fantasy of bringing in every migrant or every terrorist pretending to be a migrant into our country. It's not reality. This is just leftist bullshit. They have fantasies. 
They actually have to pay for this slop with money, though, the people that are governing. They have medical needs. They have housing needs. They have schooling needs. The extra police needed to be uh, dealing with the crime that comes with these savages. The extra police needed to deal with bringing them to the court systems that are now overrun and strained with dealing with the crime that comes with them. And there's simply no more money. And I want to say, look, I'm not saying they're all bad. Of course not. But if you're going to come here illegally, you know, at least apply appropriately. A lot of these people, they just want to get in here. They're not concerned about getting in here and applying for citizenship. They just want to get in and disappear. The city budgets are strained paying for just Americans. There's certainly no more money for millions of migrants. I mean, that's what Hochul and the mayor in the club are telling you. But the Democratic Party, Joe Biden, they don't care about the impact on cities. It's made clear. Joe Biden comes to New York City, doesn't even meet with mayor in the club. He just ignores them. They're from the same party because he can't have that conversation with them. The Democrats want America transformed. They want a million from a a communist socialist shithole like Venezuela. They want their prisoners that are getting dumped out and sent to America because they want America transformed. Democrats, liberals, hate America as is. They no longer want educated, hardworking people who were either born here or came here for the American dream to be in charge. They want socialism. They want hardworking Americans to give up what they have, what we have for the illegals who are invading our country. Why are we paying for them when we won't pay for our own? But once it needs to be paid for, liberals finally wake up But just the ones that have to do the paying, most liberals don't care because it doesn't affect them. It's people like me that are paying for it. But when it's reality, when they finally wake up, when they have to write the check on an account with no money in it, they have no choice but to wake up and stop talking in that leftist fantasy jargon about the Statue of Liberty and give me your tired and huddled masses The Muslim terrorists who are coming into our country, the Chinese spies that are coming in, all disguised as migrants, they don't give a a, a goddamn about the Statue of Liberty. They want to destroy us. And as I've said, the federal government doesn't have, uh, they don't have the money to give to the big cities to deal with the migrants that they're flooding them into or the suburbs where now the big cities are sending them to. But somehow, somehow, we can't give money to New York City, but somehow we found $100 billion to give to the Ukraine for an unending war against Russia. And the liberals refuse to stop. Who the hell is the Ukraine? What are they to us? Have they been a, like a, a hugely important ally? I'm not saying we should ignore them because a, a Russia unleashed on Europe is not a good thing for us even if it is far away. Russia is now aligning with the Chinese and and with Iran, our enemies. I would say that perhaps we should try to engage them instead of just arming the Ukraine, but Putin does seem hell-bent on getting the Ukraine back and transforming Russia into the Soviet Union, so engagement probably isn't going to work. But does that mean we have to go bankrupt for this? Why are we giving a blank check from our taxpayers to the Ukraine, a country which is rife with financial corruption? Think about it. If you want to give the $100 billion to the Ukraine, just stop letting the illegals into the country so at least we can save some money there. 
Instead, we're giving money, a blank check to this completely corrupt country. Two weeks after replacing its defense minister for corruption, Ukraine dismissed all six of its deputy ministers last week due to corruption in which the military procurement has lined the pockets of Ukrainian government officials. Sound familiar? Ukrainian media has exposed scandals relating to the military procurement processes, including a recent investigation that the Ministry of Defense ordered overpriced jackets for the troops from a company that was tied to a member of the parliament's nephew. What a shock. Ukrainian President Zelensky has to keep firing his ministers due to their stealing money. You know where the money's coming from, you morons? It's coming from you. And I'm not talking to my regular listeners. I'm just talking to the leftists that listen because they hate me. It's okay. I hate you too. For some odd reason, America keeps throwing billions of dollars at Zelensky, even though we can't afford it. The war with Russia has no end in sight. And the majority of American voters don't want us to keep giving any more of our money to them. Yet somehow the liberal politicians keep giving it. And listen, it's a lot of the Republicans too. It's a lot of them, too. Don't think this is just a leftist ideal. You don't think the Republicans do, do something to stop it? If I didn't know better, I think that there were some kickbacks going on there to, to the very politicians who are giving our money away to the Ukraine. I mean, why else would politicians be so happy to give $100 billion away to some faraway country that is hardly one of America's top allies? Somehow, these same uh, Democrats, however— that love giving the money to the Ukraine, they scream about giving Israel $3 billion a year, which unlike the blank check that the Ukraine gets, Israel doesn't get cash. It gets to buy American weapons. The aid is almost entirely in weapons grants to Israel. Much harder for politicians to get kickbacks when cash isn't passed along, don't you think? And $3 billion a year to Israel isn't the $100 billion that the Ukraine has gotten in a year and a half. Think about that. Three billion a year or a hundred billion in a year and a half. That's like 30 something years of aid to Israel. Israel also receives 500 million from the U.S. for joint research, development, deployment of missile defense systems like the Iron Dome, which shoots Palestinian terrorist rockets that are heading for Israeli cities out of the air. The weapon systems, these are things that the U.S. will also need. I mean, that's why they're uh, investing in it. It's not just for Israel. It's for America as well. If you can believe we're actually giving aid to a country that is at least our equal in terms of technology, if not better. And unlike the Ukraine, Israel provides massive intelligence on terrorism that's being planned against America. They warned about 9-11 the month before it occurred. Israel is the only reason Iran, the worst state sponsor of terror in the world, hasn't completely taken over the Middle East and used it as a launching pad against American interests there. So this aid to Israel is good for America too because we get so much back. And I'm not even talking about the medical and the technological breakthroughs. I'm just talking about security, intelligence. Somehow the libs are against the aid to Israel while happily giving $100 billion to the Ukraine for a war that is not ending anytime soon. And I don't want to get into a detour, but somehow so many Democrats are against aid to Israel 
and for so much aid to the Ukraine, even though Israel is bordering a crazed Muslim terror enclave in the Palestinians, who were backed by American-killing terrorists in Iran and Lebanon. Google it. Hezbollah? Hezbollah? Lebanon? Okay, Beirut? American barracks? I think it was 1982. They killed Americans. The Democrats insist that Israel make concessions with these filthy terrorists who openly claim the Palestinians that they don't want peace, they want all of Israel. Palestine is a terror enclave which celebrated on 9-11, kills Americans, celebrates after they kill Americans, they back Putin in Russia, Hezbollah in Lebanon, Assad, the butcher of Syria, when he's gassing his own people, and they back China against America. Why would Democrats support a crazed terror enclave whose interests are directly against ours, whose values are directly against ours, a place where they name schools after terrorists who blow themselves up to kill Jews, a place which straps bombs onto their children and celebrates when they blow up. Is that American values? A place which honors kills its wives and daughters and is rife with child rape? Are these American values that we should be aiding? Palestine's president refuses to have elections. He's in like year 18 of his four-year term. And a few weeks ago, he blamed the Holocaust on Jews. It was their fault. He said it publicly when he was chastised throughout the world. He doubled down and said, you're wrong. Look it up. Well, it's consistent with his deranged Holocaust-denying views of when he got his PhD in 1982. Imagine the fucking education this animal got. He hasn't changed at all. His 1982 dissertation published as The Other Side, The Secret Relationship Between Nazism and Zionism, it famously argued that uh, the Zionists collaborated with the Nazis in order to spur more Jewish immigration to Palestine, which became Israel. Quote, the Zionist movement led a broad campaign of incitement against the, li- the Jews living under Nazi rule in order to arouse the government's hatred of them, to fuel vengeance against them, and to expand the mass extermination. The Zionists, he claimed, were the Third Reich's basic partners in crime. It also claimed that the figure of six million dead Jews in the Holocaust was exaggerated for political gain and suggests that a million was a more reasonable estimate. This is what this bastard This fucking damnable Muslim terrorist bastard said that the Jews conspired to kill themselves just so they could get Israel 10 years later, 15 years later. Meanwhile, you know who really conspired with the Nazis to kill Jews? The Palestinians. Look it up. Grand Mufti, M-U-F-T-I, Palestine, Nazis. This is what they are. They're the world's present Nazis. They're today's Nazis. This is a fully diseased Muslim terror people, the Palestinians. Fully diseased. Yet Democrats want to stop aid to their victims, Israel, while giving 33 times more in a year and a half to the Ukraine. This is a combination of Jew hate and graft. You think I'm making this up? No. New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez was indicted again for taking bribes. 
again, this time from the government of Egypt and Egyptian criminals here in the U.S., according to prosecutors in exchange for hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of bribes, Menendez used his Senate seat to carry out a number of schemes, including giving Egypt sensitive U.S. government information and attempting to influence the prosecution of Egyptian political donors. He also tried to help an Egyptian donor keep his monopoly on the importation of halal meat into the U.S. Listen, again, whatever you think Trump is, and he is a, a, a complete moron, he's not conspiring with a, a foreign country to harm American interests. Line this guy up against the wall. Put a blindfold on him. Put a cigarette in his mouth. Ready, aim. Enough. And the evidence looks bad against Menendez. When federal agents searched his home and his safety deposit box last summer, they found gold bars worth over 100000 more than 480000 in cash, much of it stuffed into envelopes and hidden in clothing and closets and a safe. The cash-filled envelopes were found inside jackets with his name on it and hanging in the closet. Some of the envelopes contained the DNA or fingerprints from one of the men to have alleged to have bribed Menendez or his driver. That's what the indictment says. But he's been indicted and tried for bribery before and not convicted in New Jersey. He was guilty then because New Jersey is a leftist shithole. And not only did they not convict him, but they reelected him in a landslide afterward. And Menendez is not just some nobody senator. He chairs the Foreign Relations Committee, the committee that holds jurisdiction over all diplomatic nominations. They shape our foreign policy. And he used his position to steal and to help criminals from a Muslim state that many liberals believe is a terror state. And look, and I have to bring this up. I just offended Trump. But as I've said on this podcast before, Donald Trump commuted the 17-year sentence of Menendez's co-defendant from his 2017 trial, this corrupt eye doctor who stole $73 million from Medicare and persuaded elderly patients to undergo unnecessary eye treatments. The doctor was also a major Democratic fundraiser who was accused of having sex with underage hookers in the Dominican Republic with Menendez there. Seems like the perfect person for Trump to give mercy to let out of jail, right? A Democratic donor who rapes girls, underage girls, and stole $73 million and forced elderly people into bad operations? Yeah, it's the perfect guy for Trump to commute the sentence to. You can be sure that money was involved. Menendez was the point person. Why else would Donald Trump commute this guy's sentence? For money! Of course, for money. He doesn't do anything without thinking about money. Listen, he also, I can tell you, you're going to have to just trust me on this one, that he was taking money for uh, commuting or pardoning some of the rappers. Because, you know, Trump is all over the rap industry. Lil Wayne, how the fuck do you think he got out of jail? You don't think there was a payoff there? Oh, man. Anyway, don't think for a second that Menendez is the only politician on the take. Not even close. How do they all get so rich when they have no actual legal income? 
Mitch McConnell, the, the longest serving Republican senator ever. He's been in office since like 1985. He's held public service jobs his entire life. He took the bar exam in 1967 at age 25. From 68 to 70, he worked as a, a chief legislative assistant to a Kentucky senator in D.C. In 71, he returned to Louisville where he worked uh, for uh, the guy running for governor. He then attempted to run for a seat in the state legislature, but was disqualified because he didn't meet the residency requirements. He then went to work for a Louisville law firm for a couple of years and taught a night class on political science. He was 30 years old. What was he making, $40,000 a year then, maybe? Maybe 20000 In October of 74, he returned to Washington to fill a position as Deputy Assistant Attorney General under President Ford. He acted as, uh, served as acting U.S. Attorney General for the Office of Legislative Affairs uh, under President Ford in 75. All low-paying jobs. In 77, he was elected the Jefferson County uh, Judge Executive. He was re-elected in 81 and occupied that office until he got elected to the Senate in 84. And he's been in the Senate since 84. He's worth $35 million without ever making $200,000 a year for any job he's ever had in his life. $35 million. His wife, Elaine Chow, has mostly been a public servant for her entire life. She occasionally works at think tanks in between public service jobs, and she was the CEO of United Way. That's the nonprofit organization which raises money for charities. She was paid 195000 a year for that job. So there's no big money from her. $35 million. Where the hell do you think that money's coming from? How about Nancy Pelosi? She's been in politics for 47 years. She's got a net worth of $200 million. 47 years of low pay translates into $200 million? Are you kidding me? These are all corrupt people. Chris Christie spent $2.9 million on a beach house in New Jersey in 2018. He then tore it down and put millions more into it. It's now worth about $6 million. Until 2017, his entire life, he never had a job that paid him 200000 a year. His entire life. Somehow, though, a year after he left office, he paid nearly $3 million for a house and spent millions more on it. Any real money he made was from leveraging his former job as governor of New Jersey. They get these jobs and they exploit them for money. For some reason, no one knows, however, he managed to, to, to go to the land of graft, the Ukraine, a few weeks ago and meet with President Zelensky. What in the hell is this fat pile of shit doing there? He's not an elected official. He's not going to be president in 24. This guy spends $25,000 a week on food. You need to eat that much food to maintain a weight of 600 fucking pounds with no exercise. It's not easy you got to eat nonstop. He's got to set an alarm clock to wake him up two or three times in the middle of the night just so he can feed in order to keep his weight up. And Joe Biden got 900000 from the University of Pennsylvania for not even teaching a class, even though he doesn't remember this and claims he taught a class. Penn admitted he never taught a class, not one, not one single class. It was one of the many payoffs he's gotten in his life. He's been in politics as an elected official since he's like 30 he also said he was at ground zero the day after 9-11. He wasn't. He just lies, and, and just this is what he is. Oh, 
obviously we'll have another 2.3 million or so of these illegals in our country next year. And after the Democrats win the White House in 24, another 10 million during that four-year period. America is gone as we know it. When we were younger, did a massive amount of people ever move, by the way, out of liberal states to conservative states? Think about it. Thinking about the 70s, the 80s. You know, you had friends who's occasionally moved to Florida. I had a friend who did that. It just didn't exist to do it for political reasons. You did it because Florida was warm or your father got a job or something like that. No one ever thought about leaving due to the politics. There was no such thing as a liberal state or a red state back then. Now people are doing it left and right. Everybody knows if you live in a red state or a blue state. The smart people who live in New York are, are, are getting out. They're tired of the ruination from leftist politicians. They're moving to Florida. People from California are leaving, getting away from the destruction of that place by California Governor Newsom, whose wife slept voluntarily with Harvey Weinstein. So Gavin Newsom basically had sex with Harvey Weinstein. Even Texas, which for so long was a red state, is now being transformed into another leftist shithole. Dallas Mayor Eric Johnson announced on Friday that he's switching to the Republican Party, making Dallas the largest city in the U.S. to be led by a Republican mayor. He gets it. He's a Democrat who wants to live in peace, or was a Democrat. He wants to live in a place with less crime, more prosperity. He knows he can't do it in a Democratic state. He said, and I'm quoting him, it's clear that the nation and its cities have reached a time for choosing and the overwhelming majority of Americans who call our cities home deserve to have real choices, not progressive echo chambers at City Hall. Because like 80% of Americans live in cities or the areas around the cities. Uh, this mayor, uh, Johnson, he used state troopers to protect cities, unlike other leftist large cities, which allowed their cities to be burned to the ground and let, let crime go unchecked now. Mayor Johnson said that he supports law enforcement. That's anti-democratic. Low property taxes. That's anti-democratic. And fostering a business-friendly environment. That's also Democratic Party. He's backed anti-crime initiatives and developed a strong bond with the Dallas police chief. That is also against Democrats who want to defund until they get molested, until they get attacked. This is what he said. Mayors and other elected local officials have failed to make public safety a priority or to exercise, exercise fiscal restraint. Most of these local leaders are proud Democrats who view cities as laboratories for liberalism rather than as havens for opportunity and free enterprise. The dude is right. He's right. He's right. It's as simple as this. It's the only issue that matters in 24. It's a one-issue election. The border, illegal immigration, keeping them out because it affects everything in America. It's the one issue that impacts all the issues. You care about rising crime in America? Unchecked immigration has caused rampant increases in crimes all over our cities and towns. You care about drugs in our schools and our neighborhoods? Unchecked immigration has caused an influx, influx of every illegal drug known to man. You care about the economy? You care about wages for workers? What about housing? Is that an issue you care about? You care about the worsening of our schools? You care about American values? All of these are negatively impacted when we've got millions and millions of people, criminals, flooding into our country. All of these issues are impacted by the 15 to 20 million illegals that Democrats are welcoming into our country over an eight-year period.
And they're unleashing them on our cities, on our towns, on our homes, on our savings. Just look around you. They're coming in. Can't you see it? It's not just in the big cities. It's in the towns as well. It's in the suburbs. Eric Adams, mayor in the club, gets it. Kathy Hochul, that horse-faced governor from New York, she gets it because they have to figure out how to pay for it. You better understand that nothing else matters next year for the election. Not abortion, not women's rights, not affirmative action, just one issue. By the way, over the weekend, hundreds of illegals from, from the Sudan showed up in New York City and were dumped at the Roosevelt Hotel in Midtown Manhattan. Why New York City would want more illegals from an Islamist shithole filled with terrorism, I have no earthly idea. Short answer, New York City doesn't want them, but the mayor in the club is only good at complaining about it and is unwilling to buck his party and kick them the fuck out. And I hope, by the way, that New York City women don't mind getting raped a lot because it's coming. That's what's happening in Sudan. And again, let me just say as a caveat, I'm not saying they're all bad. Of course not. A lot of these people are fleeing areas that are rife with terrorism, violence, poverty. I get it. But you can't let all of everybody in just for the sake of the few. You just can't. This is our home. You got to vet these people. You got to stop them. If they're going to come in and crash our borders, you have to stop them. If they can't come in orderly, you have to stop them. If a criminal is trying to break into your house, if they come to my house and try to break in, they're getting shot in the head. No questions asked. You break into my house and I'm there, I'm killing you. Period. I'll deal with the, the consequences later. If you're breaking in my front door, into my border, into my home, I'm shooting you in the head many times until you're not moving. And then I'm walking over to your body and I'm shooting you again until there's no more bullets left. Period. All right? We should be doing the same thing at the border. We cannot let people just cross into our home, break into our homes. We don't know who these people are. We're letting them loose inside our cities on American citizens who work hard for what they have. Anyway, one guy managed to clean up a state, a state where every conservative wants to move to now, and many have, really just one place, Florida. As I said, when we were kids, no one left the state for political reasons. You left to go south because it was cold in the north. No other reason. Now the country's so divided that people are fleeing their home states The states are too far left. They're run by leftist maniacs that have destroyed it. And they're mostly going to Florida. Hell, even Trump went to Florida from New York. DeSantis must have done something right. People weren't moving to Florida in the droves that they are now before COVID. He barely won the election to be governor in 2018, DeSantis, by a few votes, just a handful of votes. And four years later, he cleaned the place up, kept it open during COVID mostly, and won in a landslide by 20 points for re-election four years later. DeSantis should mop the floor with Trump by any sane measure. Trump is a degenerate liar, he's for amnesty, he's pro-choice, he has sex with porn stars without condoms, he locked the country down and turned over America to Fauci during COVID, he pushed the shitty Senate candidates in Georgia, he then told his supporters to stay home in Georgia because he was mad that he lost the 2020 election and Georgia wouldn't overturn the vote, and of course Republicans then lost both of those two Georgia Senate races and lost the Senate. He pushed Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania, a horrible candidate who didn't even live in Pennsylvania because his idiot wife uh, watched him on TV. 
Now we have a Frankenstein monster as Pennsylvania senator who is such a depressed invalid that wearing a suit, wearing pants, might make him kill himself. So now the 250-year dress code of the Senate, where men actually had to wear suits, and if you can imagine the horror, pants, is gone. So that this recently hospitalized for depression, brain-damaged lunk of shit won't have his feelings hurt. Trump is dumber than, than anything. He's under four indictments and he's utterly disloyal. You'd think that all of these horrible traits would resonate with the MAGA wake-up, pray-up crowd, but they don't care, which makes me think that to support Trump, and I'm, the people that are, are listening to me now that support Trump, you're either an utter idiot, you're a moron, or you're a grifter. One or the other. You're either a moron who actually buys his stuff, even though he's not even Republican, he's not conservative, or you're a grifter, a pillow salesman, one of those Twitter guys who makes money for tweeting all day and pretending that Trump is competent. No one else could be dumb enough to follow this orange bag of shit off a cliff and ensure that we get 10 million more illegals here. If you don't believe me, ask Rudy Giuliani, whose life was destroyed by Trump. Now Rudy is broke. Trump won't pay his legal bills. Trump is a billionaire. Rudy is like his best friend, a guy who pushed the stop the steal narrative and paid for it with lawsuits against him and an indictment. He's been disbarred as an attorney. He owes 132 grand in sanctions to the two Georgia election workers he defamed. He can't pay 132,000. The judge added another 104 grand on Friday for the legal fees incurred by these uh, two election workers, his mother and daughter. Rudy can't pay that. He owes his lawyer $1.4 million, and he can't pay that. And now the lawyer is suing him. Did Trump help him? Did Trump try to prevent this from happening so Rudy wouldn't be embarrassed? Hasn't he been embarrassed enough? Nah, Trump didn't pay it. Would it kill him to give Rudy $1.6 million to settle his debts, to pay for his Georgia lawyer for that criminal case? Again, Trump is a billionaire. He doesn't have $100 million. He doesn't. He's got like 20 or 30 hundred million dollars. And Rudy, for all of his faults, he's an imbecile, he's a drunk, but he's loyal. Trump won't pay it. If that's how he treats his best friend Trump, how the hell do you think he's going to treat you? Instead, Trump had some asinine idea to have a $100,000 a plate fundraiser at his golf course. Everything's at the golf course. When all you do is play golf and eat cheeseburgers all fucking day, everything you do has to be at the golf course. I hate people that golf. I'll be honest with you, because you're just wasting your time. You're just an idiot doing mindless, stupid shit all day. You don't work. If you come into work, you got a deep, savage tan and your eyes are white where you got the sunglasses covering while you're playing 36 holes. Everything's got to be at the golf course. You can't have it at any place but the golf course. It's got to be at the golf course. So we had this ridiculous $100,000 head fundraiser at the golf course. Nobody's paying for that. No one is that stupid. $100,000 for a dead, broke loser like Rudy Giuliani, a drunk? No one showed up. Naturally, Rudy's idiot son, Andrew, who never had a real job in his entire life and made headlines for suing Duke University because they kicked him off the golf team. And of course, he lost that lawsuit too, said on the radio that they raised a million bucks from the fundraiser. 
That is such an obvious lie. But this is the MAGA way. This is the Trump Giuliani way. You lie about everything. Andrew Giuliani learned early. You lie about everything. You cheat, you steal, you thieve. That's what you do. I think he has a job on talk radio now. That's like the, the, the last place of the desperate, untalented refuge. That's where you go. I should know because I did talk radio. But Andrew said they raised a million bucks for Rudy. Well, I'll ask then is why didn't he pay that full million dollars to his lawyer that he owed? He only paid him 10000 after the fundraiser. 10000 That doesn't sound like a million to me and you, does it? Aren't you sick of the constant lies already? Why do you have to be lied to? Trump said he didn't listen to Fauci, that he didn't shut the country down. Lie, lie, that he didn't give a presidential commendation to Fauci. He did. It's just there. He's just lying. It's there in black and white. He also let Antifa burn our cities down. This shit happened three years ago, not 50 years ago. We all remember how Trump let America get shut down. We all remember him standing like an imbecile with Fauci every day, who told us every day that we're going to die. Trump gave us the vaccine that didn't work. Remember? With his beautiful mind. He gave us the vaccine that didn't work, that killed and hurt so many young people. The vaccine, we were told it would stop COVID forever. Nah, didn't stop it for a day, not an hour. And Trump is still telling us how great the vaccine is, even though MAGA hates it. What does Trump believe in that MAGA believes in? They're completely opposite. But the grift and the stupidity, that's what MAGA is. But as I've said, the worst thing Trump did was damage Ron DeSantis so much in the eyes of the country that DeSantis is finished not only as a presidential candidate, he may be finished as governor in Florida. And Floridians who vote against them because they're aligned with Trump, you're going to get what you deserve. You're going to get Andrew Gillum back, who they found unconscious next to a male prostitute with drugs and vomit all over himself. That's the guy who you're going to end up getting. And watch what happens to Florida, you dummies. He should be cleaning up America, DeSantis, shutting the borders down, kicking out the illegals. He showed us in Florida how it's done. He was the one who first sent illegals to leftist northern towns. He did it, and the liberals were terrified of him, but they didn't have to attack him. Trump attacked him early, months before DeSantis declared. Trump was saying the most horrible things about him daily, said horrible things about his wife, all lies. And the Republican Party lost interest in DeSantis, mainly because he allowed the attacks to go on without fighting back. When he finally entered the race, DeSantis wouldn't attack Trump, tried to be the bigger person. Every type of idiotic attack Trump did it to him, talking about the size of his, of his dick, saying he had sex with underage girls. Who does this but an other, utter degenerate moron like Trump? By the time DeSantis finally got into the race, it was over. He was dead on arrival got horrible advice from horrible advisors, and now Trump at age 80, just about, will run again next year, and he's going to lose just as he lost in 2018, 2020, and 2022. He's simply too toxic, and next year uh, should be a dazzling year where he tells us all of his great ideas to fix the country. Of course, he has none. He'll be defending himself instead in, in trial after trial after trial after trial, where the country will hear all about his shitty behavior that he committed. 
Poll after poll shows that independents aren't voting for Trump in the general election. And that's before they hear all the bad stuff about him and the evidence and the cases. He may be able to fool the MAGA idiots, but he's not fooling anyone else. DeSantis should have attacked Trump like a mad dog the first time Trump lied about him. The first time. Somebody attacks me, I'm coming for you. All right? I'm finishing you off. Trust me, I'm finishing you off. May not be today, but you're getting it. I promise you. Anybody out there, listen, trust me, when you least expect it, just like on the Brady Bunch, expect it. The first time Trump said the horrible things about DeSantis, I would have advised DeSantis to simply obliterate the man. I would have advised DeSantis to get on TV and say the following. following. I had hoped Donald Trump and I could have had a robust exchange of ideas about how best to fix the country. After all, we're in the same party and he has praised me for my work as Florida governor. Instead, I've been attacked. My wife has been attacked. And in the most disgusting manner, there's no point in having any such uh, intelligent discussions with such a disloyal, immature, bad person. So from now on, I'm going to refer to Trump by the name everyone in the country calls him behind his back and many do to his face. The man that let Fauci shut us down and lied about it. The man who let Antifa burn us down and lied about it. The man who loves abortion. The man who loves amnesty. The man who loves unprotected sex with hookers. He's just an idiot. And that's what he is to me, too. He's an idiot, and that's all I will ever refer to him as. And if he ever comes to a debate, which he won't because he's a coward who can't defend his idiotic record, I will call him an idiot there as well. He is an idiot. And I would advise DeSantis to refer to Trump as an idiot every single day. Trump needs to be reduced Not that he hasn't reduced himself enough on his own, but he needs to be called an idiot every day, many times a day, until it becomes clear, even to the most hardened, cement-headed MAGA imbecile, that we're committing national suicide by running him as the Republican candidate in 24. But no one listens to me. So we'll end up with President Kamala Harris, this cackling moron as president. Just remember, you were warned. And in case you're not sure if Trump is an idiot, here's his history of claiming that elections were rigged. On election night in 2012, when Barack Obama was reelected over uh, Mitt Romney, Trump said that the election was a total sham and a travesty, while also uh, claiming that the United States is not a democracy after Obama won. He even wrote on Twitter, we can't let this happen. We should march on Washington and stop this travesty. Our nation is totally divided. Gee, sound familiar? 2016, the primary, when he ran to become the Republican nominee in 16, he attempted to cast doubt on the election process again. He uh, said he did not lose the Iowa caucus in 2016 to uh, then-candidate Ted Cruz because Cruz stole it. Quote, Ted Cruz didn't win Iowa, he stole it. That's why all the polls were so wrong, and that's why he got far more votes than anticipated. Bad! Exclamation point, Trump wrote on Twitter at the time. He also wrote, based on the fraud committed by Senator Ted Cruz during the Iowa caucus, either a new election should take place or Cruz's results nullified. More idiocy. This is his own party. This is how much he cares about Republican unity. In October of 16, just weeks before the general election, Trump wanted to cast doubt on the results before they even happened. Quote, the election is absolutely being rigged by the dishonest and distorted media pushing crooked Hillary, but also at many polling places. Sad, all capitals. 
He provided no evidence, of course. Even after the election ended and it was clear that Clinton had lost and she conceded the, the election to Trump, he didn't stop complaining about the election that he had won. He then lied and said that he actually won the popular vote over Clinton, which didn't happen. Quote, in addition to winning the Electoral College in a landslide, I won the popular vote. If you deduct the millions of people who voted illegally, said Trump, more idiocy. Meanwhile, he's done nothing to fix it since then. That's 2016. It's now 2024 coming up. Has he done anything to fix it? What are his ideas? Nothing. By the way, in 2012, Trump's Miss Universe beauty pageant uh, won $5 million in damages in a defamation lawsuit against Miss Pennsylvania. She never paid a penny of it. Uh, She claimed that the Miss USA pageant was rigged and the Miss Universe pageant, which runs the Miss USA pageant, sued Miss Pennsylvania for defamation after she wrote in a Facebook post that a fellow contestant claimed to have seen a list of the pageant's top five winners before the contest began. So Trump sued somebody for claiming that an election was rigged, but shouldn't be held accountable for lying for the last 11 years about every election in America being rigged. Jesus Christ. Jeffrey Lickman for Beyond the Legal Inn. I'm going to take a break. I'm not done yet. So take a break, put me on pause, do whatever it is you have to do, and come back. Jeffrey Lickman for Beyond the Legal Limit. I was in Chicago last week for the arraignment of a video Guzman Lopez, the son of El Chapo, who was extradited a week ago to Chicago from Mexico to face charges there. A video had been arrested in Mexico in January, and the quick extradition really surprised all of us, uh, including the government, I believe. We expected him to be sent to the U.S. in the spring at the earliest. Nobody saw this coming. Naturally, after we heard all all sorts of chest-thumping by American authorities, especially Attorney General Merrick Garland, about how this is a step in reducing the flow of drugs into America, it's not. Not at all. Everyone knows it's not. Pretending that Ovidio Guzman is the problem is just dishonest. The United Nations Office on Drugs and Crime report showed that the United States consumes 37% of the world's cocaine supply every year. 37%. Approximately 80% of the global opioid supply is consumed in the United States. Think about that. Think about that. And you think it's Ovidio Guzman's fault? So maybe instead of scapegoating another Guzman, we should be more focused on stopping the crazed desire for drug seal here. After all, when Chapo Guzman was arrested in Mexico, he's been in prison for, geez, I don't know, you know, 2016 or 17. Has there been a reduction of drugs into America since then? Of course not. Actually, he was in, in prison in America since January of 2017. He was in prison in Mexico before nothing changed. So the combination of Americans' vast need for illegal drugs, along with the utterly corrupt country of Mexico, which allows the flow of drugs into the U.S., is a recipe for disaster. According to the government's own witnesses in the Chapo Guzman trial, of which I was his lead attorney, Mexico, as well as numerous South American countries, has a corrupt military, corrupt local policemen, corrupt politicians, all the way up to the office of the president. And these aren't my words. They're the words of government witnesses who the government put on the stand and who they trust. Mexico is horribly corrupt, has always been horribly corrupt. And the poor people of Mexico have always deserved better. And, you know, I have some empathy 
for the Mexican people in a lot of ways more than the Americans. During the, the Guzman trial, it was the people from Mexico who were decent to me. The people from America, they are attacking me for representing them. So I feel bad for the Mexicans that have to live under this ridiculous, crooked government. Every one of them are crooked, and they're on the take from the top to the bottom. In Chicago, it was a, a Chapo a light atmosphere, I would say, for the court appearance for his son. Um, just a handful of cameras chasing me down the street. The courtroom wasn't completely packed. It was a fraction of the attention that Chapo's trial had when I was chased onto the subway, recorded on the subway. We had two courtrooms for, the, for every court appearance with a video feed in the overflow courtroom and reporters who camped out all night just to get a spot inside the night before. Much different, which was a relief to me. As for a video, he couldn't be more respectful, quiet, and kind. I like him a lot. I just met him for the first time face-to-face. I've seen him on FaceTime before then, and, I, and I'm proud to represent him. And he's alone here. His, his family is very far away. He doesn't speak English all that well, but he doesn't complain, and he's got a good sense of humor. Now I know what you're thinking. But the family, Chapo, his four sons, his wife, Emma, who I also represented, they've always been fantastic to me. And with all the lawyers that they've had, and I'm the last one standing. I've represented them all, all of them since 2017, and I'm proud of it. I am. I'm proud of it. Despite the tough trial loss in Chapo's case in 2019, and through the great result in Emma's case, she faced life in prison and she ended up serving just two years in jail. I've been hired on many big cases. I've turned down many others, but I'm prouder to represent a Guzman than I would be to represent most politicians in America. The Guzmans have done less damage to America. Now, I did promise a sandwich story a couple of weeks ago, so I'm going to give it to you. This story involves the Deli King, Subway Sub Shop, Hall of Fame basketball player Moses Malone, and New York Giants great running back Tiki Barber. To start, I have to tell you, I am a germaphobe. I've been a germaphobe since I was a young kid, and sometimes in life you can nail down the traumatic moments that occur which cause mental disorders. And on this one, I can. I was maybe seven years old. My father was a meat packer, along with my grandfather and uncle. They owned a, a meat packing company in Linden, New Jersey. Once a year, I'd go to work with him at the meat packing plant. <clears throat> it was a horrible day for me. I'd have to get up at 2.30 in the morning, which is when he got up to go to work. And he had to be in early to make sure that the trucks uh, that were being sent out with the meat to the marketplaces and restaurants that they were supplying, they had to get out correctly. I was miserable that entire day, tired as hell. And, and I had to go to work with him inside a refrigerated meat packing plant. I was freezing and sleepy. And I did this uh, once a year until about the age of 11. My mother yelled at my father to, to take me to work. My father grumbled something and, you know, begrudgingly took me once a year. I hated it. And as I said, I'm sure he hated bringing me. Not that I did anything. I just sat there and I think slept in his office and got introduced to all the people that worked for him. But I appreciated how hard he had to work. And as I got older, I appreciated how miserable and soul-sucking this job had to uh, make him. It was a horrible life. And as I said, as I got older and realized how lucky I was having the career I have, I felt really bad for my dad. He worked too hard 
and and it, and as I said, it just sucked the spirit out of him. And I think I largely forgave him for being such a shitty father as I grew up. He was completely absent, barely spoke to me because of the misery that he had in his own life. It's easy to, you know, just be mad at someone for the way they treat you, but if you actually spend the time to think of why they're that way, it gives you a little more um, insight and maybe a little more intelligence on how to deal with it. But it always bothered me how hard he had to work and... I graduated college and law school without any loans due to his miserable hard work. I mean, imagine working inside a freezer your entire life. Just unfair. And my father died in 2012. And this was before I really, you know, started making big money. I don't really mean to get be crass or vulgar here. Nowadays, I wish I could go back and give him the money so he could have stopped working. I wish me in his 50s could have gone back to my dad in his 30s and his 40s and given him the money so he didn't have to work, to give him a chance at happiness because he just never had it. He died without ever, in my mind, without ever really experiencing the happiness that you know any and all of us deserve, especially intelligent, hardworking people. But I digress. My dad and uncle expanded their businesses from the meatpacking plant to delis in the northern New Jersey area. They started three delis and called them Deli King. Get it? Deli King and the guy with the platter on the logo had a little crown on his head. One was in Linden, New Jersey. One was in Highland Park, New Jersey. And finally, they opened one up in our town of Clark, New Jersey. Linden, I believe, was the first store. These are small delis. They had little restaurants, too, there. One day, he took me with him to the uh, Linden store just to make sure everything was running smoothly, and I would follow behind him, bored as hell again, uh, until he did what he had to do there. Anyway, I'm standing in front of the deli counter. Maybe I'm seven years old. This was before the store was set to open, and I'm watching as they're filling the trays behind the counter. You know, there's like that glass partition between you, the customer, and the uh, workers behind the, the counter. And I'm watching as they're filling the trays where you can see what you want to buy. You know, they're just dumping this gigantic amounts of coleslaw, potato salad into these huge silver trays, which were pretty deep. And I was just transfixed. I I get transfixed visually pretty easily. And I see behind the front counter facing the wall behind the counter. So you've got the counter, you've got the area where they're standing and working, and then you've got the wall and there's another counter there. Uh, there's, they're working and they're getting stuff prepped. I see that, you know, they're prepping the stuff to put into the, the silver tins and then they drop them into the holes in front of you. And, uh, I see some burly guy. I can't see his face in this memory, but I still see 50 years later, this part that I'm about to tell you, he's dumped a gigantic plastic container of tuna into one of the huge trays. And then I see as he pours a huge amount of mayonnaise into the tuna, which is in the tray, just this huge tray. Like he had a cartoonishly large jar, plastic jar of mayonnaise. It looked like one of those Hellman's jars, except it was like 30 times bigger. And it didn't have uh, (laughs) the label or the blue cap. It looked like, you know, one of those giant Elmer glue containers that we had in kindergarten. And he just dumped a huge amount of the mayonnaise into the vat of tuna. And then what I see next still chills me 
to the bone all these years later. He had to mix the tuna and the mayo together, obviously. And I'm thinking, well, how's he going to do that? Well, I see him stick his giant hairy arms into the tuna and the mayo. And he starts mixing the two with his hands like he's kneading dough. And I can see the huge amount of black hair on his arms in the tuna. Mixing, mixing, mixing. I nearly fainted. I, I mean, he was like kneading dough. He was in there with his hands. His arms were in there up to the elbows. They were all white when he finally removed them, just with tuna dripping off of it to his elbows. He then wipes his hands off with a rag, and he carries the tray into the slot, plops it in there where the customers are going to see in a few minutes what looks like a perfectly well-done tray of tuna, except it's not. And no one would know the truth but me. And from that day on, whenever I see food in a tray at a restaurant or elsewhere, I think that's how it's prepared with the hands up to the elbows. Now, nowadays, the world has changed and food prepares. When you're at a, at a restaurant or a store, they wear gloves. But that's when they're in front of you. What happens to the food that's already prepared? Do you actually think they're wearing gloves? I'm sure they don't. I'm certain they don't. Because all I can think about is getting a tuna sandwich and finding a short black hair in it. Curly black hair. I'm getting woozy just thinking about it now. Anyway, the story is about not about the tuna. Fast forward many years. I'm a young attorney living in New York City. I'm unlike the other young lawyers of today who spent 45 minutes looking for that perfect salad for lunch. Chef's kiss. Have to have the perfect salad with all the salt and the pepper, everything on it. They consider work to be an inconvenience to their personal lives. When I was a young lawyer, I brown bagged it to work because I wasn't making any money. I ate at my desk, bologna, turkey on rye, mustard, maybe a package of yodels in there, two yodels. Google it if you don't know what a yodel is, the finest snack ever. When I was a young lawyer, I ate at my desk. I wasn't concerned with a fancy lunch, meeting a friend, or the best cob salad in the area. Again, bologna or turkey in a bag, period. I had work to do. I had to conquer this profession. So as I became more successful, I stopped brown bagging it, but I always eat at my desk, even until today. But back then, I needed a quick lunch. Once I could afford something besides brown bagging it, I needed a quick lunch that I could pick up and drag back to my desk, eat it fast, and continue to work while I ate. And as I've told you, I'm a creature of habit. Once I find a meal I like, I stick with it like grim death. Same thing every day for lunch. And then I stumbled upon a Subway sandwich shop. They make those sub sandwiches. All sorts of choices you have. And you wait in line, you get your sub in a bag at the end. It's a conveyor belt. The first time I went in, I had to, to stand back and I had to watch the process. I felt pressure. I felt nervous. I wasn't just going to stand there and gum up the line while people were waiting behind me. We're in New York. Nobody has time for that shit. So I stood back and I watched 10, 15 minutes before I had the courage to step up and get into the line. Now, naturally, when I'm asked at the beginning, I'm not some kind of animal that gets a hot Subway sandwich for lunch. I don't get it toasted. I don't get it put in the, the little oven there. It's lunch. Do I want to sweat during the day when I'm working or do I want to work when I eat? Do I, like, I, I want to just 
get to the work. I don't want to make this more work for me, the lunch. I want to get something that's painless to eat. Of course you don't get your sandwich toasted at Subway. Only legitimate animals do that. We're not in Italy sitting down for a pizza. We're in New York City, and we're eating solely to survive so that we can work more. Same reason why I said I don't use salt and pepper uh, on my food at work. I am here to work, not play act like I'm working. I eat for fuel. Just That's it. Just keep working. I'm asked at the beginning for the Italian bread because that's what you have to do first when you get in the line, when you get to the counter. And I looked at all the breads, and they've all got like a lot of stuff going on. And they got poppy seeds. They got, it looks like cheese on top. There's one roll that's got nothing on it. It's the Italian. I don't know why. I don't even know if it's Italian. I'm sure it's not. I think it's got plastic in it, I read somewhere. But it's called the Italian. So I say, Italian, Italian. But as I said, there's an assembly line. One man does not make your entire sandwich. It's like building a car. First guy asks you your bread choice and then asks you what meat or meats you want on the sub. You have to tell them a size too. There's two choices. There's 12 inches and six inches. I just did this in Chicago twice last week. When I'm working hard on a case, I feel bad for myself. I go off my diet and I eat Subway sandwiches two days in a row in Chicago last week. But you have to watch the process so many times, the ordering process, that it becomes memorized. So you get to the first station, you ask for the Italian bread, 12-inch. The choice, as I said, is 12 or 6. I always say the same thing for at least a 1,000 times. Ready? 12-inch Italian. That's what I say. 12-inch Italian. (coughs) Anyway, once the engagement starts, once you are engaged With the subway worker, you need to keep a very close eye on your sandwich. You need to follow it from birth until completion. You need to follow it from slicing to it going into the bag complete. You cannot take your eye off it for a second because if you do, a dark black arm hair may get into your sandwich. These people wear gloves. So what? They wipe their noses on the gloves. You've seen it. Their arms aren't covered. Hair could fall in. You do not exhale during the entire process process your sandwich is being made. You do not dare blink your eyes. You could miss something. Once your, your roll, your bread roll, is grabbed from the silver rolling trays behind the workers, you lock in like you are about to drop a bomb on some Palestinian terrorist. You lock in. You strap in. The bread is sliced with that tiny three-inch baby knife. The roll, the bread is spread open on the subway paper on the counter. You then tell them your meat choice. I like something a little fun here, all right? I like to be a little fun for lunch. I'm not all business at work. I like to have fun. So I get two meat choices. Nothing exotic, of course. I don't want anything spicy. I don't want to have to run to the bathroom for the rest of the day. I get turkey and ham every day. Turkey and ham. Not ham and turkey. Turkey and ham, I tell the nice man from Pakistan or India, wherever the fuck he's from. The meats are then placed onto the open roll, onto the bread bread, bread bed. They ask me if I want cheese, and I always say American, always say American. They, re- they then reach into the tub of turkey and ham and American cheese, and they peel them off one at a time and place them onto the bread one at a time. And I noticed something, and it's been repeated every day the same way for every sandwich I've ever had from Subway. They take four slices of each. 
four slices of turkey, four slices of ham, four slices of American cheese, and I count them as they are being placed on my sandwich so as not to be ripped off. All right? Every single time I count them as they're pulled off. They never make a mistake. It's obviously taught at Subway University. It's their secret formula. Four, four, four. And as I'm watching this, I can't help but think of the former NBA superstar Moses Malone, the Hall of Fame basketball player who won a championship with the Philadelphia 76ers in 1983. He was new to the Sixers that year. He was signed as a free agent, huge free agent. He was brought to the team to help Dr. J, Julius Irving, finally beat Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the Lakers in a series. Moses was six foot ten, I don't know, 260, 270 pounds and a physical rebounding machine. He was a dynamo. He was a force with the Sixers. Before the playoffs began in his first year with the Sixers, he was asked his prediction on how it would go, and he said something that forever changed my life. I was 17 at the time. When asked his prediction for the series, the playoffs coming up, he said, foe, foe, foe meaning the Sixers would sweep all of the three best-of-seven series to win the trophy that year. You needed that year. You needed to win four games of the seven to advance. And sure enough, they came very close. They swept the Knicks in faux games. And then the Lakers in the finals, they swept them in faux games. They uh, won the semifinals against the Milwaukee Bucks, but they won the series in five games. On their championship rings was inscribed the following. Foe, fi, foe. That's what was inscribed. Okay, I just digressed. Sorry. I, I mean, I, as I watched the ham and the turkey and the American cheese being peeled off and placed onto my sandwich at Subway, I say everything, every time the same thing silently to myself. Foe, foe, foe. In this way, Moses Malone has been part of my life for decades. And I watch each slice of food's journey to my sandwich. No hairs can touch it. No skin can come in contact. Nothing. I don't even want the worker speaking while he or she does this work. Just get it down on the bed. Move it down the line. And I ask for the same thing when it gets moved down every single time. Lettuce, tomato, pickles, and mustard. Nothing spicy. No salt and pepper. That's for the soft people. Just get that squeeze of mustard on the sandwich at the end and slide it into the bag after they have to fold it back into place and cut it in two with that tiny little baby knife. I can finally exhale when the sandwich is fully immersed into the long Subway bag with nothing exposed to the elements. I then quickly pay. I don't get a cookie. I don't got time for a cookie. All right. I'm here to get the sandwich, get back to my desk and get your ass to work. I pay. I get the hell out of there. But when I was getting this sandwich every day in New York City, I had to walk around a block and a half back to my office. And in New York City, you don't carry your subway bag by your side and dangle it like a moron. You don't swing it. No matter how tempting it might be, you got that bag and you want to swing it. You don't swing it. It's tempting, but you don't. Some vagrant may steal it. Some guy delivering Chinese food on a bike may knock it over. You carry it like a football. You protect the football. You protect it. And you value it. You value that ball. When the great Giants running back, New York Giants running back, Tiki Barber was having a fumbling problem, he was killing the team with his fumbles after his rookie year. He was holding that football like a fool. 
dangling it dangerously by his side, so he learned to carry the ball differently to value the football. He held the football with him 24 hours a day. He went to sleep with it. He held it up high against his chest, high up top, pressed against his chest as he ran. That way he rarely dropped the ball. The ball was secure. So when I walked briskly back to my office with the subway bag in my hand, I held it high and tight up against my chest like Tiki Barber. That way I never had an incident dropping the sandwich. Never. So there you have it. I'm just going to leave that uh, with you to ponder on your own. Jeffrey Lickman for Beyond the Legal Limit. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and beyondthelegallimit.com. Please email me with your thoughts and comments. Thanks for tuning in. See you next week.